Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. We are sitting down with the Turkeys for Tomorrow crew. We got Mr. Jim Ronquist here from Rich and Tone Duck Calls. How you doing, man? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for having me. Hey, glad to have you here. And we got Chase Grubbs. You're the director of marketing, correct? For yes, Turkeys sir. For tomorrow. Yes, sir. I've been involved for about a year now. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to jump into this. I want to get some background on you fellas, and then I want to get a, get some background on Turkeys for Tomorrow, and we're going to kind of figure out what you guys are doing. Um and just kind of take it from there. So, uh, Chase, let's start with you. Uh, how did you kind of get involved with Turkeys for Tomorrow? Oh, and we got Jacob here. Sorry. He's looking at me. <laughs> I'm still here. Super excited to talk to you guys about this. So, uh, Andrew, I'll kind of turn it back over and we can talk to you and Chase about, you know, kind of your involvement, especially after Turkeys for Tomorrow, you know, was started and how your position kind of came about and kind of, you know, your background coming into this position. Yep. Uh, so, I got started uh, in the outdoor industry with Millis Whitetail. I went through their internship program after graduating college in 2020. Um, and I had gone on some trips with those guys and went down to Honey Break, got involved with the Confluence Group. And they had said, you know, there's this really great thing going on in the turkey world. And they knew I, I love turkey hunting, very passionate about it. My dad used to be a competition turkey caller back in the 90s. And uh, I was like, man, I'll reach out. I'll give him a call. And, and that was Ron Jolly. And uh, Jolly, he answered the phone first or second ring i told him my name who i was where i was coming from and what i was hoping to do and uh i graduated with a management marketing degree from virginia tech and jolly's like man i that's awesome but uh we don't have any way to you know pay anyone or, or really a direction on where we're trying to go for the next five years where we it, the idea pretty much just started pretty and, much. Uh, 
it was a good phone call. I kind of got a lot of information about what they wanted, and I was like, okay, we'll table this conversation. And he said, yeah, hopefully we can get back to you in a year. Well, it was about a month later, he called me back, and he's like, man, the traction for this thing is taking off. We're going to need somebody, and we're going to need somebody quick. Uh, and he's like, we're having something in June. This is mid-April. He's like, can you come down here in June and meet everybody and, and kind of get involved? And uh, we'll figure something out. He's like, we just we know we need somebody, and it's getting way bigger than we anticipated. And uh, that was when I went down there and, of course, met all the board members, Jim Ronquist, who we've got on here. And since then, it's been full throttle, full steam ahead. My phone has gone crazy. It's taken off. The social media, just last week, we got 1,200 followers on Instagram and 800 on Facebook in a week, which that's, I mean, pretty fast for – Daggum. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't no joke. <laughs> no, it's it's taken off, and the donations have been rolling in. I, everybody that's donated so far, we appreciate it so much. Um, our store, we've got a couple items on our store, and that thing's doing well. And we just announced a hunt raffle with uh, Dave Owens, Tyler Jordan, Philip Culpepper, and Preston Pittman. And, man, that thing had raised $3,000 in the first hour, which it was like we sent wow. the button on that to, to go, and it went. So. <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> So, uh, Jim, let's get into your background. Yeah, buddy. Uh, how you got into Turkeys for and really, like, I guess the genesis of Turkeys for Tomorrow. Mm. Oh, there's a good one right there. Genesis. These guys know big words. So, <laughs> um, That's the most syllables I've said today. You done well. <laughs> well you know, it kind of all started, he mentioned Jolly, and, and all started, we had a get-together year before last of a bunch of guys that we all used to hunt together, and some of us were Primo's pro staffers and turkey video stuff and jolly was a great friend of mine and actually a kind of a mentor that got kind of pushed me to be in the industry a little bit that being said we had to get together at wide oak plantation in tuskegee and just get together drink beer cook fish tail hunting stories you know first part of june so everybody's done turkey hunting but one of the things that jolly wanted to do, wanted to do and we had a lot of cool people in the room with us jim spencer jill spencer uh, or Jill Easton, as she's known by, Tess Jolly, David Carden, Coates Head. We had a bunch of pretty well-traveled turkey hunters in the room and wanted to kind of talk about what's going on. You know, every place we go, y'all see it probably more than we do, or as much as anybody being from Alabama, a decline in our turkey populations in, in a lot of the country, in the southeast and Midwest, and why. So everybody went to asking different questions. So that kind of led to, you know, we're asking these questions and to get the right answer you got to ask the right questions and that's who a lot of tft is so that kind of spawned into a lot of phone calls and conversation about well let's just start a instagram or facebook page and just kind of be pro turkey and whatnot and then that kind of said well heck let's start an organization you know let's let's incorporate this deal and that turned into well we got incorporated and then we found out what we had to do to become a 501c3 organization and we just kept working on it and it kind of flatten out and pick up and, and we knew at some point in time most of us all have another job and we was going to need some help in somebody and along comes chase so um he has been a great help for where this organization currently is and where it's going uh, but that being said him and jolly do a lot of the heavy lifting I, I i work full-time in the outdoor industry so i, I can help some um a little bit but by and large jolly and chase are doing all the heavy lifting right now mm -hmm. so what so you mentioned like working full-time in the outdoor industry we talk about what you do a little bit yeah man I, it's kind of funny I'm, I'm i'm a passionate turkey hunter and a passionate duck hunter also so i work in the water foul world i work for a company called rich and tone duck calls rnt calls from stuttgart arkansas um been a past world champion duck caller used to blow in turkey calling contest years ago um, we produce a tv show that airs on the sportsman channel called rntv um, we just finished vid videoing for our 17th season of rntv oh wow um so that 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 keeps us going and then of course i love turkey hunt too so it's a good combination i, I like to say duck hunt is my vocation turkeys are my avocation you know so I, I like them both equally well but that's kind of my background you know i've spent the last 20 some years doing run a guide business and then transferring over into working for a call company and designing calls and producing a tv show um but it's turkeys and ducks jim can you talk a little bit more about the timeline of when turkeys for tomorrow was first thought about to where we are today how long of that progress ha has it been uh since the kind of the first kind of discussions of turkeys for tomorrow yeah so that would be we had that first get together at white oak i want to say june of 2019 and then we had another get because we talked about the COVID deal. Yeah, it was June of 20, 2020. 2020. And then June of 2020, 
June 2020, we started talking about it. We had the big dinner and get together. And just Jolly and I talked on the phone like every night, trying, which way we're going to go with this? Because we kind of felt we had some good questions and we're not anti-NWTF at all. And there's a lot of people try to put it in there, but we are pro Turkey. You know, we felt we had an idea of, again, let's ask the right questions to get the right answers. And then how do we go about that? How do we go about trying to make a difference? And then again, that kind of turned into conversations with an attorney to get incorporated. And I knew had some buddies that said, well, some attorney buddies said, well, we'll listen to you and help you out. Just, doing something trying to help out and then that turned into becoming 501c3 so that started june of 2020 by march of 2021 we were incorporated 501c3 certified registered i don't know what you call that um and and we were off and running you know we got had some folks helped us out with a little money here and there we didn't really have much of nothing but we would get some donations along through early 2021 june of 21 we had our annual get together back at white oak we all got to meet chase and talk about how we could incorporate him and and he's helped drive it since then and i guess the amount of growth in the past six months has been it's been huge it's it's been huge yeah and really the past four or five weeks have really been the biggest just from the financial side of things we went from need money to pay for the next year of the Alabama studies that we're doing to now we're looking at another study in another state. So yes, it, yes. And, and that's something we should get into the studies we're doing kind of the, one of the fears was in trying to get money and donations. One of the questions I heard a lot, well, that sounds great guys, but what are you doing? So we had to get something. So, um, our, in-house attorney carter weeks um had a relationship with dr will goolsby from auburn and goolsby's wanting to do some projects and you know there's a lot of conversation out there about turkey reproduction where, what are hens going where are they going when they breed what are they doing so and then the song meter project and at first i thought man i don't know about you know, there's been gobbling chronological chronology studies go on forever but it's been all us we go go sit on a ridge and we can't have many turkeys we hear and we might be drinking coffee or we might man that one's hitting it where's one minute or here's it goes a coyote we're not paying attention so now if you do this digitally we can learn more about the timing of goblin and maybe that we can offset that with moving the season a little bit by learning more about that then the sperm count deal i think is very cool you know growing up we all probably thought you shoot a long beard another long beard is going to take its place breeding hens you, you think immediately um and how many times we've been hunting in a jake's top to hen decoy well there's been some chatter conversations that they don't think jake's or some people think maybe jake's can't breed maybe even a subdominant tom maybe take him a couple weeks before he's able to breed we don't know that so a part of the other study goolsby's doing is they're going to take a bunch of turkeys and and test them and see see where they're at so that's that's cool and then the other one is putting gps on i thought was it 50 hens 50 hens yeah we're putting gps and we just did the, we caught the first hen this past monday and that's she's got the, blood cool. work leg uh tag and transmitter backpack on her so yeah. that's already started that's cool and we're going to learn a lot from that because now we're going we're going to see what these hens are doing during the breeding season where they go to nest and where they're going with the poles and that will give us an idea maybe to why we're not seeing recruitment in wild turkeys like we've seen in the 80s early 90s yeah real quick i, I want to get more into tft i just want to start saying tft i like it sounds good <laughs> tft but for uh turkeys for tomorrow tft what is y'all's overall goal as an organization yeah that's a good one um, we're still learning that but our main goal is to be advocates for the wild turkey yeah that uh that study the sperm count study a friend of mine actually just signed up for that uh, really? for as being like a uh like a leader i can't remember what they called it but uh he's supposed to collect like 20 to 40 carcasses for dr goolsby yes so they're gonna measure the testes and everything like that that sounds pretty well, interesting and the thing with the sawmeter that, that he didn't necessarily touch on was um the sawmeter stuff a lot of the states like arkansas missouri they're moving the seasons back even alabama moved the seasons back yep well they're doing that to try to you know there's no research has been done they're just trying to save turkeys and let them breed a little bit before we get in there and everybody starts pounding them well yeah th- that song meter study is going to say okay this is peak goblin 
in court, you know, it's going to yeah. it's going to lay it out where you're not moving the season just to arbitrarily move the season because once you lose hunting opportunity, you seldom get it back. Correct. And there's, and that's the last thing we want to do. And there's a lot of people, you know, spring turkey hunting's here in Turkey's gobble. And there's a lot of folks think that man, you got to start hunting the middle of March. And they'll say, man, they're, well, I've heard it said they gobble out by the 1st of May. Hell yeah. Well, well, maybe the 1st of May could be pretty dang good. You know, so maybe we can learn that hey we can shift it a little bit and allow turkeys to breed more and maybe get a little more recruitment put some more poults on the ground and still have plenty of hunter success so the thought is that uh maybe that goblin kind of is tailing off because of hunting pressure right okay correct and so you could potentially move the season back and still get the same amount of goblin just at a different time that's that's what we're hoping to look at okay and the other thing with that hen nesting is those hens when they're radio collared radio backpacked when they get on a nest we're gonna be able to see habitat wise are they just nesting in wide open open burn are they we're gonna i mean that's gonna be huge you know for habitat guys like that are making habitat videos habitat improvement for state agencies hey this is where they would typically like to be at what they're nesting in so our mission statement is uh we promote america's hunting traditions through conservation educating through the timeless collaboration of hunters and wildlife professionals to ensure that we all have turkeys for tomorrow and we took a lot of time and thought into that and the biggest thing is we want to do everything to benefit the wild turkey because if you don't have turkeys you don't have turkey hunters um so when we're looking at stuff you know we're doing it for the turkey everything is for the turkey and that's where we kind of dove into so you ask you know where are we going what are we doing what is our mission statement he just hit it it's about turkeys advocating for america's wild turkey and turkey hunters i'm gonna i'm gonna guess we're gonna wind up being more like a delta waterfowl I don't know if you're familiar with Delta and Ducks Unlimited. They work together very good. They both do a lot of research, but Delta leans a little more to the research side. I'm going to guess that's going to kind of be us. As we're kind of starting to paint our picture a little bit, working with Google's being different research projects. And so it's back to the idea of asking the right questions to get the right answers. And I think that's who TFT is going to be. You know, like Chase just said, a lot of habitat out there, a lot of habitat managers. Let's feel, figure out what the turkey needs and how can we apply that to turkey management. So if I, if I understand that correctly, so like you've got one organization, so like maybe NWTF in this case, who's, they've got millions. Oh, they and got millions, millions of dollars. I mean, look dollars. at how good the NWTF does for hunter recruitment, women in the outdoors, uh, different habitat initiatives. They do a great job of what edu- they do. Hunter education. I this mean, look event. at this event. I mean, this event is four turkeys. The NWTF puts it on every year. This is yes. a great event. It gets everybody in front it's awesome. of it. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, it's fantastic. And we're not trying to, we're not trying to go there. But we want to go learn. We want to go see what's making them tick. Why are we losing turkeys? Why aren't turkeys growing? Is it just been the past four or five years of really bad spring weather in May about the prime time to hatch? Is that really it? Will a couple hatches fix everything or not? Or do we need to do something else? Is it it seed treatment on seed corn? Is it fire ants? You know, what is it? Is it hogs, you know? Yeah, there's it so many different factors that I'm sure through some of the research projects, that's the, that kind of the goal. And that's one thing that's really interesting. Again, I'm coming into this conversation truly here to learn more about you guys because previously, I think I told both of y'all before coming in, I really haven't, I'll be honest, haven't done a ton of research on you guys and what's been happening. So I'm glad we're able to have this conversation because I'm learning just like the listeners are learning right now too about kind of the goals, but also the format of how y'all are going to go about doing some of these different research projects and focusing solely on that or majority of the time on that, which is interesting because just recently we've gotten more involved like Dr. Chamberlain and some of these other guys that have been doing these studies. And it's so fascinating what's already been done, but also what else is out there that can still be learned upon? Because it's just scratching the surface right now. There's so much to be done with, especially wild turkeys, um, which brings over. Yeah, Jim, I thought about this. With you coming in from Arkansas, Arkansas is an interesting case study right now you could look at with the uh, – it, it just seems from people I've talked to and what you're seeing on social media in the media – of huge population losses, what it seems like over the last, especially 10, 10 years, 15 years. And this was been having seasoning shortened and shortened. And, you know, some guys I know that have some pretty good private land haven't had too big of an issue. They're still in killing birds. It's not that big. But then you go to just a couple, like a county across, and it's like they're struggling to find a bird to hunt the whole season. And it's crazy what's happening in Arkansas. And there's so many different factors that could be happening there. But I, I'm glad to kind of see someone coming in from the state of Arkansas like yourself who's kind of got that, you know, local knowledge of potentially what's happening there, which brings up where are y'all focusing the most research and, and your, just your, your sole focus at this point, you know, so early on mm-hmm. in, in, T, in T, uh, TFT? TFT. <laughs> yeah. well, that, that's really kind of funding related. So right now our first project is, again, like we said, through uh, – 
Dr. Will Goolsby at Auburn. So it's an Alabama study. It's co-opted with the Alabama Wildlife Federation. NWTS involved in it. So we're all going that direction. However, for us, as we grow, we want to go everywhere. So we want to do a project in Arkansas, Mississippi, Missouri, wherever. It's not just the – we started off thinking we're just going to be the southeast. But I talked to a guy yesterday. He said, man, I'm in Pennsylvania. I want to be, I want to be involved. Um, so – our reach is going to get everywhere. We just got to grow big enough and have the funding to be everywhere. And that's in our bylaws. So uh, anybody that raises $25,000, whatever state that is, uh, they can actually check a box. That research money will stay in their state. If they so choose it If to they be. so choose. Yeah. So if not, we, put- we want to be able to use it as needed. But if you want to donate 25000 and stay in Alabama, here you go. We'll go find a place to put it. Right. Or, I mean, Ohio, anywhere. You want to raise $25,000 or have five companies come together for 25000 you check that box, that money will stay in your state. So that was something cool we did yeah, put in our bylaws early on. And, and I think and we haven't had anybody do it yet, but I think it's a very good deal. Well, that, uh, that was, hey, when y'all got started, that was a selling point for a lot of folks that I was seeing. A lot of people were extremely excited about that. Where they're like, okay, you can do these big donations. You know, we can come together, do a fundraiser. You know, it's like I don't have twenty-five grand laying around that I can give people, but you can do fundraisers. You can bring companies together, and you can bring that together and put it where you want it to go. So if you're from Georgia or, or wherever, you know, you can make that stay in your state. And a lot of people are really excited about that yeah. when I first saw y'all kind of come on the scene. And, and our five-year plan, uh, talking with Jolly and some of the other guys that are on the board. I mean, we want to take up the whole southeast. We want to be in Georgia. Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri. And we want to be everywhere. We want to be know, everywhere. You know. But we're, we kind of start fun- – right. the first focus has been the Southeast or CEFA Southeastern Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. That's kind of the beginning part. I mean, it's where the we've seen the most issue lies down there in the Southeast. We correct. did a, a study after the 2021 hunting season, and it was 78% of the people in those, those Southeastern okay. states, they all said, man, we're hearing way less turkeys. I think everybody – it much. was 78% of mm-hmm. those guys said 25% less turkeys. So that's an issue, right? So, uh, and, and like Chase said earlier, if we don't have turkeys, we don't have turkey hunters. And that's something, whether you're – it's turkeys, deer, ducks, it doesn't matter. If we don't take care of the wildlife resource that we depend on for our passions and our outdoor recreation, and for some of us, our livelihood – that's important so the resource has to come first and then you got turkeys you got turkey hunters can you talk a little bit about the the structure of the funding that's happening right now like how are y'all being funded mm-hmm. when it comes to the donations and stuff is yeah. it membership based like how does that work with you guys that's a great one so we just had a meeting two Last, weeks two weeks ago yeah so we talked about it when we first incorporated there's you got to check off some boxes as you do that if we were going to be a membership or non-membership based organization we we start off non-membership but we just recently had the meeting to make the change to be a membership based organization uh chase and on march one we're going to become a membership organization and that was kind of a decision made just because for stability and able to promise money out to do research projects you kind of have to have a financial model of what kind of money you're bringing in Mm -hmm. well if somebody donates 25 dollars this year you've got no way if they're not a member to ask them for that 25 dollars again uh so that was just as we're trying to grow and get more research projects going on we're like man how can we get you know a researcher hey these are our numbers this is what we can do tell us what you want to do so we you know as a need we're going to become a membership organization on march 1st which i'm super excited about yeah, i think a lot too. of guys are going to be excited about it yeah i think that's a good deal then other ways you know just general donations we've asked for donations from folk, folks who's giving it we got a gun blast coming up uh, on when's that dinner march 3rd march 3rd and that sold out like in two weeks it's going to be like your basic NWTF or DU dinner, you know, gun raffles and whatnot. That is going to be huge for us. The hunt raffles are going to be good. And just in time, we're going to start painting that picture of who we are and how we're going to go about getting money. Um, and other than just basic, oh, hey, man, we need some money, you know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, we've had a lot of companies uh, step up, and they've wrote checks, and, and that's been huge. Uh, a lot of companies put a lot of faith in us at the very beginning when we really had nothing. Uh, they're kind of like, hey, we like the idea you guys have. We think that's a good direction. Here's a check. And that was awesome because that allowed us to get the uh, studies going in Auburn, which it was always kind of a double-edged sword. People wanted to be a part of it, but they wanted to see what you guys were doing. So those companies that allowed us to get those initial research projects going we want to send out a, a big thank you to those guys and without those guys we wouldn't be here today so we're growing we're getting there but we're still small you know we're still little uh, and, we, and we need money you know um, no no way around it we gotta we gotta start getting some money so the more money we can make 
or bring in, the more research we can do. Uh, and that's kind of the bottom line. Um, we're still kind of painting that picture, you know, still driving that road to, to answer your question of, of what are we going to be. We're still kind of defining that, you know. So just y'all hang on for the ride and come back and look in a couple of years, see what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I just it, it's so interesting and kind of like coming from focusing on the research because uh, to me that is the most fascinating thing with all this. Like again, NWTF does a great job with the habitat and they do some research projects too and stuff. But with you guys be able to work with state agencies and again start small and as y'all scale up to be able to scale up the research as well, it's just super interesting. Just because there's so again there's so so much there to learn that just hasn't that the funding hasn't been there or this the the will and the people the right leaders to put it in place hasn't been there quite yet to do some of these really in-depth research studies that i know y'all are trying to work on doing um i'd like to talk a little bit more about some of those research studies you, y'all have kind of mentioned a little bit so far with the um especially with the sperm count and everything else but this, these first couple studies, what is the time frames that we're looking at on some of these studies when it comes to from what the time they're started? Is there any certain time frames are running before, of course, we're going to have some published data? Uh, so one of the things I'd like to touch on, then I'll let Jim get into it. Uh, when we partnered with Realtree, those guys, they've got Realtree Road Trips, Realtree Spring Thunder. And that was one of the things we had asked those guys. Can they come? Can they film some of these research projects as they're happening? So we've, we've got an uh, agreement for a couple episodes, kind of a beginning, then kind of an update when Georgia-Alabama season's open. And then a uh, close of hunting season, kind of end of year, um, turkey season-wise, wrap up on what the first year found and, and kind of the data collection. That being said, we've had bait sites out for rocket nets for almost a month now. And like I said, we just captured the first hen this week. Uh, and they're going to be doing that for the next week and a half, two weeks, until they get the amount of hens that we need. I, I believe it's 50 hens is what we're putting the radio transmitters back on, on their backs. So... That stuff's already started. The song meters, the autonomous recording devices, they're going in trees starting this Monday. I just talked to Will Goolsby last week about that. Um, so he's got a team of researchers. They're going to go out and hang those. So everything's kind of – the ball is rolling. Um, and then you talked a little bit about uh, the sperm collection. So that's obviously going to be once hunting season opens up, uh, we're going to have hunters bring them to drop sites where they'll harvest everything that they need to to do the research. But it's a uh, it's going to be a multi year project. So of course, like you said, we're going to try to get information out as it's year to year because people you know they want to know where their money's going. Okay, what are you guys finding out? Is there anything you notice right off the bat? So we're going to be sure to have that stuff on our social media. Like I said, Realtree's going to do some videos on it. Uh, I know Dave Owens, he's one of our partners. He's going to do a video kind of talking about what's going on and. Um, we're going to just keep it on our website, you know, as Goolsby's writing up these findings for this first year, kind of after year one, it's, it's we're going to put it out there just because people are content hungry. They want to read what's going on. They want to see where their money's going. And I think if you can kind of see a trend after year one, well, okay, let's start looking for that going into the year two, year three, so that we know, okay, this is the direction we're heading. Absolutely. One one thing just about the, with the hen study, because I'm real curious on this. What kind of habitat is this area that they're they are being caught in? Like, what kind of what's the diversity of habitat? Is this an area that's mostly pine hardwood mix? Is it mostly pines? Is it mostly you know hardwoods? What kind of data do y'all know from the area, the location these hens are being trapped? I don't in? know all the places he's got where he's I, trying I was to trap say birds. He's got different trap sites on uh, both public and private ground. Okay. So, uh, and I'm gonna say just typical Alabama habitat, southeastern Alabama <laughs> habitat. You know, pine pine woods pine hardwood mix uh, probably some river bottom stuff in there probably mm-hmm. some rolling upland hill grass country in there interesting so it's not going to be all in the same property which is no no not at all the reason why i brought that up is oh, you it's know, a great question based off where you're at some areas if it's mature pines there might be very little shrub cover for that quality nesting so they may be nesting in an area that most other places they wouldn't be nesting because it's too open but that's the mm-hmm. only thing they that's have. the only thing they got well but, and that's part of the idea of putting the transmitters on them so where you catch them in i'm gonna say winter range right now kind of where they're spending the winter at is they're still in big groups right now that you know right spring we're catching them over corn piles you know so shooting they, that over them as their feet getting on the feet and as they disperse as spring moves on as y'all know those turkey flocks are going to disperse so then we'll see where they're going and what they're doing and finding out what kind of habitat they're going to because they're they're someplace different now than they will be when they're nesting in april and may um and back to it on the project length i think that this first three projects together combined are a three-year pro- three-year study so that although we'll get information each year from Goolsby and his crew the first scientific paper won't be written until after the third year and once then, everything's in and done one thing to touch back on area so the goblin chronology study that's that's statewide um that's going to be on property statewide yeah which and again both public and private 
So we're going to get a pretty, I mean, we're painting a pretty broad picture of what's going on in Alabama mm-hmm. after these three years. I mean, we're going to have a pretty good scope. Okay, this is nesting, this is gobbling, this is, you know, what's going on. And we can do that in other states, but I think I think Alabama will be diverse enough. It'll tell us a lot for right, a it'll lot apply of the to that southeast corner, we feel like. You just bet. Um, because of how diverse Alabama is uh, habitat-wise. Yeah, it should be interesting. Also, too, something to keep in mind is I say public and private. You know, a lot of folks say you need to spend all your time on public because that's where folks get to hunt. But you also got to think about there's more private land than there is public land, and we got to bring the private landowner in thinking like we think or or wanting to protect that resource and the better we can educate them the better off we're going to be so we've got to do stuff on both public and private yeah and there's way more people that hunt public or hunt privately than publicly in the southeast yeah i mean alabama is 93 percent or something like it might be 97 no it's 97 percent private land so that's the case a lot of people make is if you want to save wild turkeys if you want to save bobwhite quail whatever the whatever the species you got to get the private landowners on board. Houndstooth Game Call's Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call by Field and Stream Outdoors. And trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spur Master and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spur Master call and success call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distance with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com. Use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. So that's kind of what you talked about earlier. Um, with Alabama being mostly private land, that's why we want to bring the private landowners in that have noticed they don't have the turkeys that they had five years ago, ten years ago, just so that we can say, hey, you know, it's not a public land issue. It's not just hunters attacking the public lands and hunting those hard the first two weeks. These are managed farms that have, you know, thousands of acres in Alabama that don't have the turkeys that they had in years past. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. I know someone – I'm, I'm- – you know, I know a lot of this research is kind of at the, not the mercy, but it's through the researchers are the ones kind of selecting all this. So y'all are kind of coming up more with the funding and maybe the concept, finding somebody that's willing to do the study. But one private landowner that I'd be very interested, especially with the state of Alabama, which I'm sure would be more than willing to be involved with something like this, is uh, Brent, uh, was it Bent Creek Lodge down there in South Alabama? Because they own so many acreage. Um, and, you know, we've interviewed some of their guys in the past, some of the, the, the guides down there for turkey hunters because they're known for world-class turkey hunting on their property and see especially their guides has been guiding them for 25 years how things have changed you know analytically or uh, analytically for the individual guides maybe things they've learned or seen change but also another place to do some of the studies as well just because they have the acreage and it's so diverse too so hope, i think it comes down to also some bigger landowners really wanting to get involved with some of this stuff that kind of help you know add more diversity to the actual studies and there's some of that going on too part of the beauty of working with the alabama wildlife federation is is exactly what you're talking about working with some of those large landowners that do have an interest and that's a whole lot of what the awf is doing that's where they're coming from so i i don't know if will's got anything on bent green bent creek but i know we've talked to the folks they've talked to the folks at westervelt and other big landowners and um I don't have all those answers on where they're at, but I know they're trying to get everywhere. Man, one thing I want to touch on, just throw a shout-out to Will. So Will came to us. He had projects typed up, budget planned. I mean, he came to us with five or six projects, and he had them completely laid out from the first dotted I to all the way to the last period. And, I mean, it was financial breakdowns. It was what the studies would hope to see. And he's like, I just need the money, man. Um, and so TFT, we kind of spearheaded getting some money raised so that we could do these. So if, when researchers come to us like that, 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 that's awesome because you know it's not he already knew what he wanted to do he already had a team put together and he's like this is just we need some some funding and that's where tft kind of acted as kind of a, a, a liaison to kind of help head that up and get it going and now we just want to go do it again you know somewhere else and something else or get with another state and then let's go learn something else what do we need to learn next 
That's fantastic, man. That's it's so important to stress how expensive those studies are too. Like, there's researchers out there and they want to answer these questions. You know, whether I mean whatever the question is about reproduction or gobbling or whatever we need to do to help turkeys out. Uh, but man, they're, like that money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, and it's not cheap. And no, sir, it's not like those autonomous recording devices. For the amount of those that we purchased, that's I mean, they're, that's over thirty grand. It's uh, they're that quick. And then you got to have people, you know, interns to go put it out. And I just was working with uh, a guy at home. Uh, Dr. Doug Osborne at University of Arkansas Monticello on a duck banding deal and we were talking about they putting some transmitters on and t- the interns they got to pay them and it takes a lot of money to go do that kind of stuff but you get a lot back on that research you know so the more we can do the more we can do you know it's just that simple and so is that one going to be like I guess one of your main thing are you going to be like looking for researchers to reach out to you guys? Or are you guys looking at questions and then going to researchers in different areas to try to kind of both? Out? I was you know, say, we follow we'd probably follow both paths. Yeah. Uh, you know, if researchers came to us and they had something drawn up similar to how Goolsby did, where we could just put our stamp on it and say we're going to push it and get money raised, that's awesome. Or you know, or we're, we're in the process of asking yeah, questions. We may go to here's what we'd like to find out. Can you help us learn this, or what do we need to do to figure this out? You know, and, and then go to a school, go to a state agency, a college. You know, anybody's school of forestry, where all these great wildlife schools are, go to them. That's a great starting point. You know, and then or go to a state agency and then try to look for cooperative money Pittman robertson money wherever it may be look for people that can help leverage what we got you know we want to be able to take 50 cents and turn it into five dollars you know um not that you're always able to do that but you're always going to be looking for ways to do that okay yeah that makes perfect sense um when it comes to the the studies they get done what happens next so now that study is on the ground what does that how does that play into actually saving like a wild turkey? Like, well, is so that, that state agency that, that, Then that moves over to policy and policy advocacy, and that's something we're eventually going to have to have. So we're going to need somebody to help advocate for policy. And once the research paper is written and you got the scientific paper and you know you've come up with these conclusions, then you got to go through your state agencies and maybe the policy is that we need to adjust turkey season. Instead of Alabama turkey season opening on March 20th, maybe it needs to be April 1st just using that as an example um but then that's a change in policy so well that's a that's a justification because of research which is what we're advocating for is let's move things around based on research let's not you know or or not move things around right exactly you got to have the research paper first and then if you do need to make changes that's again where you need to go to the different state agencies and affect and see about changing policy yeah I mean, it just seems like with turkeys right now and quail too we've been talking about quail a lot lately we just got bird dogs so we're all fired up about it so but with both of those there's a lot of it just seems like there's a lot of questions that are unanswered where no one really knows what's going on and i, I think there's a lot of frustration coming uh from that where we're moving seasons we're changing bag limits and people are saying why and it's hard to give an answer because the research maybe hasn't been done on it. And there's no – Goolsby and I have talked about it. It doesn't seem, as far as turkeys go, when they're ranged in 49 states, there's no one answer, you know. Mm-hmm. Some areas have hawks. Some areas don't have hawks. Some areas have more eggs. Some areas don't have eggs. I mean, there's no one answer. So it's like that's why we're going to need to be countrywide to figure this problem out is because it's different here or it's it's different in the southeast, you know. So Yeah. And, and I, I will say there will probably be a time we'll have to do – identical studies in different areas just to see if there's mm-hmm. if there's a difference right yeah. see what's going on kind of like a, one of our other board members jim spencer said this snake's got many heads you yeah. know so absolutely so i mean where do you see turkeys for tomorrow in 10 years man growing uh being a huge advocate for the wild turkey probably hopefully spearheading lots of different research projects around the country and um by then hopefully in that 10-year time period we're going to have different schools and coming to us hey man we got a great idea for a project can you help us get it done yeah um i I would hope that we would have a good relationship with all the state agencies at least in the southeast and growing up into the midwest and northeast all through the turkeys range i see us growing into being a force not a force so much as just a voice for the wild turkey yeah i mean it's exciting and i mean that again just kind of underscores that these things take time and we were talking about the alabama studies it's gonna be three years three years to get the studies done and get them analyzed and then 
after that you got to go do the policy thing so you're looking at changes or not changes you know depending on whatever we need to do we're not really going to know until three to four years from now that's right five years from now maybe. so you got to play a hunch a little bit you yeah. know of course that's not up to us that goes back to the different state agencies but uh, they're all kind of making some changes just to kind of yeah. see you know see try to get a head start on mm-hmm. yeah so a couple things. This I'm getting more excited about this now. Think about it. You get Chase Alvey do the aha, the little thing earlier. Yeah, that's like a Jacob Myers signature right there. It's that personality, man. He's coming out. No, um, in the excitement. Yeah, well, you're animated. Absolutely. <laughs> I like it. I, I like talking to him because of that. So a couple things. I now after learning a little bit more about uh, wildlife federations, the different state wildlife federations, and how they work with lobbyists to help mold different um, potential uh, legislation around all kinds of different things that could happen when it comes to, you know, wildlife is like with you guys getting to the point, again, working with, you know, some of these different wildlife federations, talking like the the, um, AWF, uh, Alabama Wildlife Federation, and working with them and their team once some of these studies come out is like, hey, is there anything that we do need to push through, you know, when it comes to getting things updated and changed that's that's more equally based off some of the research at hand, especially when it comes to seasons and stuff like that. Well, that, again, that's why you do the research Absolutely. and you write the paper. So then when it's done, you try to decide what what did we learn here and how do we apply it? Mm-hmm. And, and how does it make a difference to the wild turkey? And also makes it also one thing I think it's worth touching on. Yeah, there's these studies are going on right now in Alabama, but over the next three years, what else? I mean, that's not the only thing y'all are going to be doing in the next three years. You're constantly working on potentially different studies happening. As our fundraising increases, the more projects. And that's we'll be what able I was saying earlier was we just got the Alabama projects paid off for the second year. So yeah. we are now look. I mean, we're like, hey, we've got two years good to go. The checks are written and we're ready to go to another state. So that's what I was saying earlier is now we're, we've already started that wheel kind of turning on where can we go next. Absolutely. And the more members, that, of course, when y'all switch over in March 1st to like the membership based, uh, you know, kind of organization when it comes through, you know, donations and everything and getting more members on board and that funding increase. And of course, that's when, again, y'all can spread out and start working with some of these other states like we've mentioned earlier. But that's like the exciting thing. This is truly like built from the foundation up by the members and by people that want to get involved with this. Um, just because, again, you know, y'all are so new, but you're spearheaded with great leaders that all think you know with the best you know intent for wild turkeys and like hey we we are trying to do everything we can right now um to figure out you know what what can we do what can be done and and that's the exciting thing because again i ever since talking to dr chamberlain and then we started getting some deer studies too not not trying to take away from turkeys but like these some of these research studies and gps studies are so fascinating like how much can be learned there and not only like again understand the, that that species better but also understand from a hunter's perspective what can be learned about some of those um the, the, the socialization that happens with some of these different animals especially when it comes to the wild turkey um so th- this is going to be extremely fascinating to kind of see over the, the next even this the next few months as things change with you guys uh for the better uh just as y'all continue to grow very very excited to kind of see how this shifts so. it, it's going to be fun and the the hen telemetry deal I, i've been watching it in waterfowl world what you i mean it paints a picture and even for turkeys we'll be able to constantly see where they're at so it's going to be really fun what we're going to learn and how we'll be able to apply it and it really i hope i hope it's nothing but a couple good hatches won't fix it but why aren't we having those good hatches when we have good weather so we got to figure all that out got a lot to do but it's it's fun times to try to get there absolutely yeah man the one thing i love about the turkey community is you got a lot of people who are real passionate and care a lot about the resource. And I think y'all have seen that with your right, growth. I mean, so many turkey hunters have stepped up and, oh, and man. just come on board. It's a and great community. It's like you said earlier. I mean, we've got guys, I think the other day, uh, one of our other guys on the board was talking with me, and I believe we have a donation from 48 states that have turkeys. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's, that's, cool. that's kind of crazy to me, just getting on a year ago and seeing the financials in and, and seeing it now, and you're like, man, we're, we're going somewhere. People so. care, man. People care. Uh, and it's exciting. So, speaking of why you know people care so much, what are all the? I mean, they need to become a member of Turkeys for Tomorrow. On March one, yeah. when we become a membership organization, TurkeysforTomorrow.org. We'll probably drop this about the time you guys. Yeah, it'd be good, man. So, yeah, that'd, that'd be, awesome. be awesome. So, press pause right now. 
you're listening to this, pull over on the side of the road, get your phone out, <laughs> go join Turkeys for Tomorrow. That's right. Turkeysfortomorrow.org. <laughs> yes, sir. Is there anything else people can do to kind of help get involved, spread the word about well, you guys? I mean, if any of the if any of the spread universities the or researchers are listening, um, Talk, get come some, to hit us. Them yeah, up. Get something on our desks. So. Yeah, come to <laughs> us, man. Come to us. Um, and spread the word. That's the best thing right now that can happen for us. Sure, we need money, but getting the word out there, right. getting folks to know us. Who are we? You know, let it get out there. Go to our Facebook page or Instagram page. Share it. Look at it. Be a part. And that's kind of where I was. we were saying earlier. Most of our research, it'll go on our website. We'll have a newsletter going on. Um, but that social media stuff, those are those quick little updates. Like I just posted today on our social media. We caught the first hand. I put some pictures up, the leg yeah. band, everything. And uh, so if guys are interested in it, what we're doing, it, the social media is a great thing to just, hey, real quick, I'm going to be putting updates on there as Will, uh, Dr. Will Goolsby is texting those to me. So definitely share our stuff on social media head to the website um join up become a member buy some hats merchandise uh you bet. All, all that stuff looks awesome it, it was sweet i've seen some tft hats walking around and i'm, I'm digging dude. the hat yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> dude, the <logo laughs> was good. oh yeah, yeah that dude. looks like a turkey killing hat right there buddy no <laughs> uh, well that's that's what we hope it is yeah <laughs> you got anything else jacob I mean, I've always got things left. I mean, I mean, yeah, we, we, <laughs> I specialize in talking, dude. So, so we've got time, and and like you said, I mean, it's I've seen your eyeballs kind of turning from where you earlier. <laughs> yeah, you can see all his light bulbs come on. Off yeah, he he well, sat down. And he didn't know really anything about trees for tomorrow. And now I see him. He's he's yeah. thinking about questions. Oh, the things turning, man. Well, it's just it's just again, it's all just the focus on the research. Like once you've talked to some of these researchers who've done some of this. If it doesn't make you excited and fascinated with what is the potential of some of this potential future research, and also just what's been learned now, that if just with a new set of eyes, you might be able to pick up on some things from pre-existing, especially some of the GPS studies, and be able to learn more from that, especially if you go back. This is, this is okay, I'll run this by you guys. There is a bunch of studies that's been done. I'll say a bunch of studies. I might be over-exaggerating, but just talking to Dr. Chamberlain, there's been quite a few studies done, GPS studies, which... Okay. What's the what's the actual term for the actual the uh, the backpacks they wear? You said telemetry. Yeah. So I keep saying GPS. Really. Well, it's, well, it's, it's, same it thing. is a GPS. So it's yeah. a uh, it's a GPS, GPS transmitter, radio yep. transmitter backpack is is what they are. So I'm gonna keep it simple. GPS. But it, there's so many things that's been tracked, especially you know some hens in other locations, but also gobblers uh, and just male turkeys that. To go back and look at some of the data that's already out there with a new set of eyes with a perspective like let's look at weather conditions based off you know whatever the spring provided during this study these you know ever how many years your study was and look at you know was there any kind of kill offs or what was the potential uh observation of um you know brood numbers after the fact with all this data that's already pre-existing just having a new set of eyes and maybe another researcher that comes in using some of that already published data and seeing based off other conditions that we can go back and look at from that time of the year or whenever those years when that study was taking place and see if there's anything else that can be learned directly through those studies that already exist that's already sitting there we just need a new set of eyes to look yeah. at because I, I think it's a wonderful idea and I've, I've looked at that because um, I've, I've, talk, I've talked Dr. Chandler's ears off uh, <laughs> about this is like there's all this data especially in the deer world but also turkeys all this data is out there they just don't have people to look at it through like the eyes I want to look at it through which again is mm-hmm. a lot of like the weather conditions a lot of the, the the things that we can go back and look at you know what was those conditions back yeah. you know March 3rd of you know 2017 when this study was going on and how did the turkeys respond to that and also if there was any observation studies especially about just the, the bird numbers in the hatch and what was the quality of the hatch in some of those areas where those studies were done I mm-hmm. mean it's fascinating especially just with stuff that's already out there and just again a new set of eyes I think could do a that huge benefit that goes back benefit. to the fun thing that exists and you can pull so much out of it but it costs money like get people to do that man it's expensive i mean even if you're paying an intern 12 bucks an hour to do it that racks up that's a lot of work while you're talking about chamberlain uh he was kind of one of the big the forces that kind of realized we were going to have a spot in the space when he and the hunting public got together and they raised that money $35,000 in three days that was kind of where the light bulb went off in our head okay a lot of people care about research a lot of people care about wild turkeys it's just getting it out there so that they can kind of sign up for it and, and know what's going on a lot of like you're saying state agencies doing research projects or uh private individuals that are paying to get research done it's just not getting out in front of the public uh whether they don't have a platform or, or whether it's you know just smaller studies that are done um 
and that's where we're kind of hoping to come in and be an ambassador for that is uh, if a state has done some research and, you know, they're trying to get it out there, I'd love for them to reach out and say, hey, you know, review our research, make sure it's, it's good research and uh, put it on your website because there's so many people, that, like you said, that have done the research, done the hard work, and it's just sitting there waiting for eyes to, to come upon it. There's a ton of it. And, like, you know, some of these biologists that are the researchers that were part of it, they might go out. I know, like, Dr. Tramlin and some of his deer stuff, he's done seminars and stuff on. But And some of it's published. Now, Mississippi State University, they're doing a, t- a great job now, I mean, publishing stuff on social media, which is great because you're reaching that audience and getting people involved. But I'm telling you, people are so fascinated with the GPS data from whether it's deer, turkeys, it doesn't matter. But especially for turkeys, they're so fascinated with it that there's a, there's a huge aspect to be able to connect more people where they can visually see what is this bird doing through its its life cycle for this three years this study is happening? Well, look at Dr. Chamberlain's Turkey Tuesdays. That was something that he started the other year, and uh, I remember seeing him when they first began. He was getting 200 likes, 300 likes on him, and now he's getting all, like 2,200 likes. Like a couple of them are 3,700 and upwards. You know, they go up into the thousands. So that's just getting shared, and people are reading it, and and that's something that's awesome. And I read those every week. Um, so it's like if we could just the researchers that are doing the research, yeah, if, if they can get that information out there for the public to see, it's obviously desirable. Yeah, and it, it takes people like Dr. Chamberlain, too, because he, he's so talented at taking a very complicated study and putting it to where, like, I can understand it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, making it accessible for everybody to be able to go and read that. Because, I mean, you get into some ty- scientific jargon in these papers. That yeah, you, try to you read don't want to read that. It's tough, man. Yeah. Yeah, That's you, Dr. Goolsby, too. That's what I was saying. When he presented the studies to us that he wanted to do through <laughs> Auburn, those <laughs> that seven-page thing that he stapled together, when I read through it, I understood every word. And <laughs> I'm sure that there are other versions of this seven-page paper that were written into more scientific jargon. Probably 35 pages at that <laughs> Probably point. 35 pages, not for marketing and management students. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Andrew, we, we got our hands on uh, some data from a GPS. It was a deer study, GPS yep. caller study that they did at Auburn on some public land. And, so, and some was private land, too. And Andrew actually got the the GPS points. That's it, Andrew's yeah. background. Is building yeah, maps GIS. and GIS. I went to work. School of Forestry at Auburn. Ah. And w- when I was there, they were doing that study. And I was like, man, oh my gosh, I'd like to get my hands on that. I'd love and, to see what it looks like. Being sure, because I'm curious. But being able to build the maps out, like let Andrew sit down and building out the maps with all the data points and be able to do the transitions and showing that to the audience. Yeah, click through day by day, hour by hour. The, the internet, yeah, cool. people were so, oh, so willing to just learn like, more. When they could see that, like a progression of like just in this example, it was like, it was a few different bucks and how they shifted throughout the season and shifted it throughout the rut in their home range and everything. Man, I mean that stuff is so interesting. And it's like if we could do videos on that stuff, like fifteen minute videos. You look at Grant Woods. Oh, he's it'll making blow vi- up. I'm, he's making videos on habitat for turkeys and and. Dude, it's like if we can just get that stuff in front of people's eyes, it, mm-hmm. it's going to blow up because so many people are curious. The private landowners want to know, well, if yep. I'm planting this food plot for this turkey or this hen, is it going to stay on me or is this buck going to stay on me? How are they using it? That's the, that's what it shows. Is like how are they using the train? And what's better yet, this is what we've been trying to do with this deer study, is I want to go after this deer study went from like 2014 to 20, was it 16 or 17? And I wanted, I told Andrew, I wanted to go out because we had the data points. Andrew was able to put it onto the map and everything and make it interactive. But go out and show people on our end of what it looks like on the ground, that what these deer were using. Now, of course, it's, it, we've had a few growing seasons since then, so it's going to shift a little bit. But the same thing like with you guys and some of these studies is going out there and showing, if you could do video-wise, video content, showing like the interactive map of a couple different hens and as they shift around throughout that spring home range and all since the summer with the broods, and then go out there and film, okay, this is roughly the general area they were nested at. This is the kind of the general area that they were feeding at and kind of that circle that kind of, that they were kind of going through that pattern to show how how they were using the land, how they're using the habitat to their advantage in the different areas that some of those studies are being take place. I think people would eat that up because they can visually see exactly how these birds are using that landscape. And that's kind of the plan for this summer. When I was talking to Dr. Goolsby early on, he was saying, you know, after year one, we need to get something out just so people continue to fund us and are interested. In. And that's kind of one of the things we had talked about was, hey, how about let's go out there. Some of those data points that we pulled from that first year, let's go out there, check them out and, and shoot some video content because video content now is so powerful um i know our page we we don't do enough of it but it's it's hard because they we are so small still um but the stuff that we have done video content wise i mean it blows up uh people are interested to hear about that stuff which like i said it's crazy that that the research has taken on this side of things and, and people are so far behind it it's it's like the uh the sperm count study we're doing um why why do we not know 
it's how many years have we hunted turkeys and it's always been assumed that you shoot the adult boss the dominant boss gobbler well another one's just going to step right up um and now it's like it okay maybe, maybe we maybe, maybe we not. don't know maybe maybe not but yeah. we're, we're going to find out anyway and it's like how many years have we you know i'm sure there's been similar research done but it's like it hasn't really been public it's not public knowledge yeah, if, if it's out there then yeah they did a terrible job with pr trying to get it and let people know and but that's the problem with some of these studies is like unless you have like the guys you know you have the uh, michael chamberlain's of the world which there's not many i mean michael chamberlain stands alone but the, you know the other researchers uh, again at mississippi state that really are trying to push this stuff nobody knows about it, it gets published you might hear about for a little bit and then it gets just filed away until someone brings it back up like that deer study that Andrew talked about when he was at probably something else I think TFT will be be a part of as we start to get this information we help try to get it out there I think there's there's just so much um, so many people out there that are just hungry for this knowledge and they're hungry for the visual the visual aspect of some of these different studies especially when we're talking the GPS studies or even not even that I'm telling you interactive grass interactive concepts of some of these research studies where you're not just publishing a paper where someone has to read through it but you're simplifying it for the common you know follower listener uh, audience member that's how you're going to keep people more engaged which is that's the way i look at it too it's the same thing like with what we do with the show that's how you keep people engaged but keep people excited about what's happening and they don't get bored like oh well cool they, they publish a paper but you know i i know y'all are going to do a really good job with that breaking well, stuff down the but. goal you talked about where are we had in 10 years where are we had in five years um so on the marketing side of things i i get to talk to our website guys a lot and that's kind of one thing that we've had a lot of talks with uh for how we're going to move forward on our website our website in five years i'm hoping it's an encyclopedia for guys that care about turkeys turkey habitat um i know some of the articles like you've already mentioned we've already kind of dove in and, and started looking at those for okay what research that's already been done can we put on our uh, website just so people can read through it and see these are the findings this is the areas that it's already been done um and that's i mean i think for us to stay relevant we're gonna have to publish information from researchers that's already been done um just so that we can build upon it because there's no reason to spend turkey hunters hard earned money on a project that was done in the state you know maybe a bordering state similar habitat but just not talked about so we're, we've already kind of dove into that just to try to get a uh, a tab on our website that people can go in and explore it. pie charts graphs not just 35 page research papers with words that you have to go to google to figure out what they mean every <laughs> every yeah. other sentence that's exciting man the, the digestibility of it's huge it's huge. I think it'll get more people involved, more people fired up, more people informed. You that, know? And that's the bottom line. The more people that are informed and educated, they want to help out more. You know, that's, yeah. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll hit all those points as we grow, you know, and we'll kind of see which way we go. But I think research, education, that, that's kind of going to be a good direction for us to go to. We feel like that's a good niche. Yeah. We feel like we're going to oh, belong. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. We feel like that's Probably what we're going to belong. in the turkey world. Uh, uh, not taking any fire away from you guys, but I wish someone would exclusively do it in the deer world. Like, ex- I mean, just cause there's there's a lot there. There's, oh. a, there's a lot there. So I, I don't know if y'all ever want to start a, you know another branch of what y'all are doing, but listen, call me up, dude. If y'all need somebody. Oh man, that that gets me so excited. Just because, again, like you said, when you when it's easily digestible. If it doesn't get somebody excited about some of the studies and actually, again, seeing some of the data come in, man, you need to check yourself. Like if, if you're just going out there just to kill something, just to kill it, man, you're not really caring about like you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah, abso- absolutely, absolutely. And this is there's so many interesting aspects that can be learned. That again, we're just scratching the surface, and that's the exciting thing for years to come, especially with y'all's growth and everything else. There's there's a lot there that can be published, and hopefully, again, some answers found in, in the next years to come, whether it's in two years or 10 years or whenever we start having some ideas of, of what are some of these factors that are, again, uh, you know, hurting some of these turkey populations in, in different areas, because that's really the, the biggest picture. I mean, trying to figure out, you know, what's working, what's not working, especially with management practices, um, and is there anything that we can do to better help, you know, wild turkeys? Jim, Jim painted a, a great picture of where we were trying to be in five years. I mean, we want to be an advocacy group for turkey hunters about the wild turkey um, based off of research. We want everything that we're saying to be research-based. We don't want there to be a loss of opportunity unless the research says, hey, we, you know, we've got to make these changes. Um, and I know some states where they're seeing less turkeys, they're having to, you know, almost pump the brakes and, and make drastic changes right now, and they don't have the funding to do research. So that's where it's a, it's a double-edged sword for us. We need the funding to kind of get into these states and, and take on a project to kind of answer the questions but it's also like well if that state doesn't do something 
they're worried, you know, we don't have two years to wait because if we keep what we're doing right now, our resources are going to be in dire need. An interesting conversation that you guys need to have is with the guys from Land and Legacy. Have y'all talked to them yet? Land and Legacy no. podcast. So they're all about their habitat managers, like private, uh, private firm habitat managers working with private individuals or private. Are they here this week? Yeah, they're awesome, dude. Really good guys. It's Matt and Chad. And then Adam wasn't able to show up. He's got a kid that just got born. It was just born, so he's at home with his wife. <laughs> he just got born. That's why he couldn't come to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 he had some kid getting born. That's Alabama Academy. There you go. Absolutely. I thought we taught him better than that. So on Chad and Adam's farms, about 800 acres total in Missouri, like in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri, they did extensive uh, tree reduction on the property. It was a uh, cattle farm. Uh, it was a oak hardwood mixed forest on an active cattle farm, and they did an extensive removal of, of timber on the property uh, to have more recessional growth, and they do a ton of prescribed fires, and they stopped trapping, okay? And they didn't stop trapping just to stop trapping. They, just, they were so busy with clients and stuff. Right. And just to add so much more habitat and quality nesting habitat and forage habitat, this they saw a nose within three years spike of turkeys on the property. Now, of course, this is, you know, anecdotal on this one property, huge spike on turkeys and they could talk to you about it. It's a very interesting conversation. Actually, I want to interview them a little bit later about this, but, and it's nothing against not trapping, but it's like you had so much more air that these turkeys could nest. Right. It was so much harder for a nest or a, a, it's, and a that's predator where we, to find them. That's where we say like, it's not one answer. Absolutely. Um, the guys that are trapping on the, I mean, if you have 40 acres and you're not burning it and you're in another area of the country, obviously trapping is, it's like, dude. Trapping is never bad. Trapping is never bad. Right? No, exactly. And never. I know Dave, he, uh, he gave me a call last week and he's saying, hey man, can you share that stuff about the uh, trapping in Georgia all year round? And I'm like, of course, dude, anything that's going to benefit turkeys, yeah. we'll, we'll for sure share but it's like it's it's so many just different folds you can get into to death by a thousand cuts <laughs> okay well, we gotta get back to this because we talk a whole whole point about the uh, whole point of this topic but this is what gets me fired especially recently especially having this bird dog because i now i want i didn't get a bird dog to go hunt pen quail not interested at all like it's wild birds okay? well i used to have we uh we used to have john burn turkey dogs and oh so, dude for like fall turkey hunting? yeah fall turkey oh, dude. Dude. Oh, i grew up doing cool. that i did that all over i mean the east well, coast dude, you just now tell us i would do an episode on that that'd be awesome <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> like John Byrne turkey dogs, man, those things, you, obviously you have to work with them, but just that bloodline, oh my goodness, you could, dude, walking around in the woods, they're making figure eights out in front of you, you got hens and tur- I mean, dude, I, some of the stuff I grew up, I'm like, man, I was spoiled. That's good stuff. Uh, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. But it, I, I don't even know where I was kind of going with that, but there's those guys and kind of what they've done on their property, it was just interesting, and I, I'm just curious, again, so many people, oh, this is what I was trying to get at, I'm, I'm now super fired about the habitat aspect, okay? And like, Habitat's bring, important. And bringing it back in areas that it was native is bringing back more of those grasslands because that's got it's got so many more species it can hold in these grassland areas and savanna areas versus closed canopy timber it looks pretty to hunt some closed canopy oak hardwood forest but only offers so much food throughout the whole year and security cover and opening these areas up and what can be done with some of these habitats with a rebound and some very quickly and then some over multiple mm-hmm. years it depends to, on what you're trying to manage and, for and too. absolutely and you know absolutely. too i'm sure with all the quail managers you've talked to or, or have gotten into the quail stuff managing for quail is like the best management practices for all wildlife mm-hmm. uh, so many guys like Goolsby um, Ted DeVos mm-hmm. he was saying you know if you can set your property up to have quail on it you will probably have good turkey numbers and you'll have good deer cover so I mean quail quail are important and that's Very. why they're in their states that have kind of hit the panic button on the wild bobwhite quail is you know, we don't ever want turkeys to get to that point because they're scratching their head like, man, where did we go wrong? Yeah, we where, had- where did we go wrong? I grew up, my dad was a big bird hunter. We grew up with bird dogs. That was his passion. Um, and now they're just not, not any. You know, you hear a covey of birds, you, you just sit and listen or watch. You know, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. And we're starting to have a rebound with them in Alabama on some public land that we hunt on where you can actually go out there and, and actively hunt them and hunt, you not know. Not walk all day pointlessly through the yeah, woods. Yeah, and, and hunt a, a huntable population, but it's still like, I hear all these stories from some of these guys that are in their 80s about what they were doing back in the, the, the 60s, growing up in like the 60s and hunting with their dad and stuff. And that's all they did. But it was totally different landscape. You didn't have these in the deep south where we're at in Alabama, all these huge pine plantations. It was a lot more mixed forest and smaller properties that had a lot more of that open cover. All yeah. homesteads. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's totally different. But just to kind of get back on this, uh, we got sidetracked about the hogs, but uh, talking about, I'll let you kind of... I, I, what were we bringing up? Talking about the goblin. Oh, on property, on hog properties, yeah. Right. So I was just going to say, um, before we got off here, I just wanted to go in and 
kind of give thanks to the Alabama Farmers Federation. Those guys stepped up and they had done extensive hog removal on a couple properties in Alabama and they knew we were going to hang song meters and they're like, hey, hogs are important. Guys care a lot about hogs on their property and, and getting them removed. So they came in and they're saying, why don't you guys do goblin chronology studies and hang some song meters on properties that have had extensive hog removal where there's a less amount of hogs than, you know, a neighboring property and kind of see what effect do hogs have on goblin? You know, hogs rooting around all night long. Turkey's constantly getting pushed around by a big hog population. So that's going to be super exciting. That's another fold into those Alabama research projects where we're going to kind of paint the whole picture of what's going on in Alabama. Um, so I'm super excited for that stuff, and I know Dr. Goolsby is, is as well. Absolutely awesome. That'll be interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, can't check. wait to see what comes of that. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, you guys are going to have to have us on. We'll have to be on this summer for sure, just so we can kind of say, okay, yeah, that's, we'll have that's a, year one. Have a wrap up. That, you know, we're, see we're what we find out. Updates. We're gonna to, there's going to be a regular occurrence. <laughs> absolutely. Well, um, let me ask this one more time. Do you all have anything else you all want to mention? Anything else we want to plug? Of course, if anybody's interested in uh, TFT, where would they go about getting find more information, getting involved in this Turkeys thing? Turkeysfortomorrow.org. Turkeysfortomorrow.org On social media, <laughs> Twitter, the whole nine yards? Uh, turkeys for Tomorrow on all the social media. On Twitter, I believe it's for turkeys. Okay. Uh, it is. So, yep. Yeah. So check us out. Definitely, uh, if you're able and, and willing, join up, become a member. Uh, we also are going to have a donate tab just on our website. So, you know, no amount's too little and no amount's too large. Excellent. Awesome. you want to give it, we'll take it. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate y'all coming on. Guys, make sure you tune in for our next episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. And as Michael Pike would normally always say, y'all stay Southern. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes coming out and help us grow the community by sharing this podcast with a friend. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year, and guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.